everybody and welcome back to the Monday Morning Faith Podcast. My name is Emily and we talk about faith and strength and the goal of this podcast is to empower you and equip you and strengthen you in your walk with Jesus and God no matter where you are in your relationship to him. If you've never heard his name or if you've been following him your whole life, this podcast is for you uh, so that you can grow alongside me as I grow in our knowledge of God and our relationship with him. So without further ado, today's topic is going to be on resisting the devil. Um, as it says in James 4, 7, resist the devil and he will flee from you. And I want to equip you guys with some real um, some real power today to actually be able to do that and to put that into practice in your life. And I'm going to be using uh, the text from Matthew chapter 4 when Jesus is tested in the wilderness himself and how Jesus models us this response and how we can do this. Um, And he humbles himself as a man to do that. Um, So I want to take a deep dive into this with you today and hopefully you walk away um, feeling closer to God, uh, feeling more related to God and what Jesus did for us. And hopefully you can see that God gives us the solutions for every problem no matter how small or great it seems, and that he will always be there for us. All right, so let's get into it. In the beginning of chapter four, um, the heading says, Jesus is tested in the wilderness in my NIV translation. Uh, It starts off by saying, then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So he was led by the spirit of God. And one uh, commentary I read was that while we can be led by the spirit into places um, that could involve temptations the spirit does never actually tempt us himself this holy spirit um is a he first of all which is something i only learned in the last year but i wanted to share that with you if you didn't know that fun fact but basically the spirit of god jesus god the father does not tempt us the devil tempts us the spirit may allow temptation could lead us to a place that involves temptation, but it's never God actually tempting us. God doesn't tempt us. Um, He might test us for our sakes or for the rest of the angelic realm to see, but he doesn't need to test us because he already knows our hearts. He already knows our minds. Um, Nonetheless, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights. The text says he was hungry. I can't imagine how hungry... One would be after 40 days of no food. That is so extreme. And, um, you know, it just goes to show that there was clearly divine power and the Holy Spirit present to help him do what is physically uh, pretty much impossible, right? To give him the endurance to keep going throughout that. Um, It says in verse 3, The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Um, scholars call this temptation the lust of the flesh because it appeals to our fleshly human desires that when taken out of proportion uh, can be sinful. For example, gluttony. It's not wrong to eat food, obviously. God designed us uh, with stomachs and with hunger and cravings. However, that good thing taken out of proportion and abused and becoming indulgent 
can become gluttony where we just overeat, 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 overeat um, for various reasons why people do this. Um, it can even be a response to some trauma or painful incidents in your life and that's a way of coping. But we know it's human to have uh, the desire for food. Well, obviously that's not sinful in of itself. Um, the tempter says, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And like I said, that's a lust of the flesh. He's trying to appeal to the fact that Jesus is very hungry. Um, that's a normal thing to be feeling at this time. But Je- or, sorry, Satan is using that as a weakness point to try and worm his way in. And that's what the devil will do to us. He'll look at the lusts of our flesh. Um, and now for us, it's not sinful to eat bread. But he was asking Jesus to turn the stones into bread by using his supernatural abilities. And um, Jesus knew that that was not the right time for that. And also, if Jesus was going to do something supernaturally, it surely wasn't going to be because Satan was telling him to do it, of course. Uh, That wouldn't make sense. He's not going to submit to the devil. We're supposed to resist the devil. And this whole uh, testing the wilderness is a model for us to apply to our lives by the power of God through the Holy Spirit we're equipped to be able to do the same thing. So he's tempting his lust of the flesh, his desires. And Jesus responds back with the word of God. Um, and that's how Jesus fights each and every one of these instances. Um, and we know from scripture that Satan and his army of demons and whatever else, they know the word of God. They have it memorized. They use it to deceive They use it to lie. They twist it and turn it. Um, I'll give you a really personal example, something that recently happened to me. In Colossians uh, 3.23, I believe, it says, um, everyone should work as if they were working for the Lord and not humans. I'm paraphrasing, but that's the gist of it. And I have, uh, you know, memorized that verse, although clearly not that well because I had to paraphrase it, but I've been working on memorizing that little short verse as kind of an encouragement to me throughout my work day, my school day, when I volunteer at the church, just like as an encouragement to remember why I'm doing these things. It's I'm working for the Lord and not for humans. But then it got to a point in my brain where I was having all these like intrusive thoughts about this verse and it's kind of hard to recognize Uh, thoughts about scripture as negative or as incorrect because you're like well I'm meditating on the word of God like how is that a bad thing but for me in my mind I kept thinking over this verse and what it was leading to was me thinking that the effort I had to put into every task was if if it was for Jesus himself and that's a completely unrealistic standard for example if I'm cleaning the church and you know I'm doing it for Jesus like if Jesus was actually coming to my church that day and I was cleaning it for him oh my gosh I would be cleaning like a mad woman I would be scrubbing everything I would stay for 12 hours I would make it perfect I'd be calling on my friends you know so it's kind of like I, I knew in my heart that these thoughts were feeling disproportionate and kind of making me feel inadequate in what I was doing and luckily I had a great conversation with my mom the other day and she was helping me see that verse from the standpoint of a heart posture of like that if you look at it as if this job is for God and his kingdom and that it's an invitation to let God into your work and to not please humans but seek to please the Lord 
um, then that's the proper attitude to tackle that verse with, not from an effort perspective, because then, for example, if I clean the dishes as if it was for, um, you know, the Lord and not humans, then I would never stop cleaning the dishes. I would be doing them, like, to perfection. And that's, like, living in a perfectionist mindset isn't uh, freeing or are we capable of it, because if you did every little task to perfection as if it was for Jesus himself, that would be chaotic and disruptive to the life God calls us to live of order, not disorder. And it would be disorderly to spend all of your time in utter perfection, like psychotic states. And so um, I really appreciate my mom opening my eyes to this, but then I feel like um, the devil was trying to make me question how good of a job I was doing through that scripture because I constantly felt like I wasn't giving a good enough effort worthy of like the Messiah when that's not what God intends by that verse at all. It is a heart posture thing. And so I once again appreciate my mom, shout out mom, (laughs) for opening my eyes to that. But it just goes to show that the devil can really uh, sneak up on you and you can be having these thoughts about scripture and not even be realizing uh, what they're coming from. But um, I always find that conviction and guilt, uh, from the devil feel very different. It's just being able to recognize it in the moment and not afterwards, uh, that I am personally working on. And I encourage you to as well, uh, for your own mental sake, and you deserve to walk in, uh, freedom, the freedom that Jesus equips us with. But anyways, let's get back to what Jesus is doing in the wilderness. But I did want to give you that personal example. Um, and maybe you can think of some in your own life. Anyways, um, this period of time is filled with Jesus's dependence on God and his trust in their relationship with him and the father as his son. And we have times in our lives that are also going to be completely filled with dependency on God. Perhaps you're going through, um, some pregnancy complications, um, that's a period of full dependence on God because it's so out of our control. It's not even funny. Maybe it's something like you're up for a promotion and you're not sure if you're going to get it or somebody else. That's a period of full dependence on God. Maybe you got a cancer diagnosis. That's a period full of dependency on God. We go through so many different times in our lives like that of varying degrees. Um, but it's really beautiful that Jesus came as a man, humbled himself to show us what we can do in our place. Um... He shows us the way out, to say it more simply. Um, it says, so Jesus responded to this temptation to turn these stones to become bread by using his powers to gratify uh, himself, to please himself, to relieve himself of the hunger pains. Jesus answers with the word of God saying, it is written, man should not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So Jesus combats that by uh, shutting him down by saying that we shouldn't favor, uh, the material over the eternal, that God's eternal word of God is infinitely more important than bread. Um, and he relies on God and the Holy Spirit to give him strength. Uh, if you're wondering why is the Holy Spirit here? We haven't got to the ascension yet. Um, just before this, um, just before Jesus goes into the wilderness, he has his baptism by John the Baptist, where the spirit of God descends on him. So Jesus has the Holy Spirit for sure at this point. 
And so that's why I'm mentioning the spirit and the text is, just for some more context. Um, he, the devil then, you know, backs off that one and switches strategy. And the devil takes him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And so this is a manipulation of Psalm 91. The devil takes Psalm 91 and he leaves certain words out and he uses it in false context. Um, and this uh, appeals to the pride of life. Um, everyone would have just seen at uh, Jesus's baptism that the spirit would have came on him and everyone would have seen that huge public sign like he's coming off of a high right but then now he's been like you know in a bit of a low point with this fasting and this you know testing and so it would be really tempting to want to have that really great holy moment of um recognition of a big bold public sign like that and um we can be reminded that trust needs no test. And if you trust Jesus, you trust God the Father and the Spirit to have your back, then you don't need to test. And we don't have to demand that God will prove things to us. Um, and Jesus knows that and he responds to him saying, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And what a beautiful God we have that we don't have to test him, that he is trustworthy, his word proves it to us relationship with him will prove it to us over time and it will stand up true over time and that's why this is the oldest like most best-selling book in the world um not the oldest book in the world but it is a best-selling book over time in the world um and there's a reason that freedom is attached to the word of god and that it lifts you up i find after i do uh, reading for scripture in the morning, I feel really lifted up. I feel um, that God is giving me a new joy, a new peace over the day, no matter what kind of day it is. And um, I feel like sometimes it's the best part of my day, even if it's just the very beginning of it. Um, um, we see that he fights Satan uh, with the word repeatedly. That, that's what he's relying on. That's what Jesus is using as his weapon, his sword. And it's kind of confusing in a way because it's like, if you're the son of God, why wouldn't you just use your supernatural powers and get rid of him or all these things? I really think that God humbled himself here, that he put himself through brutal testing. We know that to some degree, God was like half man, half human. We don't know what percent. But just as he humbled himself to go through the most atrocious, atrocious pain on the cross for our behalf he also humbled himself in other ways throughout the gospels that we can see and this is one of them and i think it's so important i wish i had spent more time on this earlier on in my faith but it's just a beautiful model and it should be encouraging to us um so we see the dangers though of um the devil warping scripture and let's just keep that in mind for our lives going forward that um, we need to be very careful with that. It also kind of plays into the idea of false teachers as well, that it's our job to know the word very well, whether you listen to podcasts or songs or 
um, audiobooks or reading the Bible or, you know, devotions, like however you're getting your word of God, it's really important that we uh, soak that up. And it's a great idea to get plugged in to your local church and a local small group and soak that in all the time because we're going to come across false teachers, if not our own false thoughts uh, that are sent to us from the devil. And we need to be really careful that we know the word of God well enough that when we have those uh, false thoughts, we can immediately recognize them and rebuke them. And to rebuke is just to basically say, no, not happening, (laughs) Uh, to turn away from it um, with the word of God and to respond like Jesus is right now. And sometimes we're not capable because we don't know enough and that's okay. Like not everyone's gonna have the Bible memorized. I certainly don't. I don't know many people who do, but that's why it's great to be listening to podcasts, YouTube videos, um, to be plugged in with people in your community. I was lucky that I was able to have that conversation with my mom recently about that one verse in Colossians because I was taking it out of context. And I think the devil was using me taking it out of context and not fully understanding it to totally hurt me. And, you know, because that's what he wants to do. He wants to make you miserable. The devil exists to make you miserable and to try and steal the Lord's worship and turn it back on him. And we see that right now when it says in verse 8, we get into the third temptation of the devil, the lust of the eyes. It says again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. And we see how that just automatically sounds so weird. What do you mean bow down and worship? He's the son of God. And I think some scholars hypothesize that he doesn't say if you son of man bow down and worship. Like he doesn't say, he doesn't really identify who Jesus is because I guess that would be like really aggressive blasphemy. I don't know. I It was kind of weird when I was reading through some of that commentary. I was like, mm, not sure how I think about that. But if you have thoughts, you can always email me or put a comment on YouTube or Instagram at Monday Morning Faith Podcast. But um, yeah, that was kind of a weird one for me when I was thinking about that. And it's not sinful to be tempted. It's just sinful to give in. And we think that this one would be easy for Jesus to turn away from because he is the son of man. But the devil... Like, Jesus is God's son, and he's not of this realm, as we are not, as Christians as well. So, Jesus is of the heavenly realms, of God's kingdom, but he comes down to earth and humbles himself. But who is the ruler of the earth? Scripture and the Lord himself tells us it's Satan. Satan is the ruler of this world, of earth, human earth as we know it. So when the devil takes him to the mountain and shows him all the kingdoms of the world and all their splendor, that is a temptation for Jesus because that's what he deserves. That's what is actually rightfully his and will be one day. What Jesus, or sorry, what the devil offers Jesus is a shortcut, a speed up, a faster timeline to get what Jesus would of course want. And the devil will certainly do that for us. It'll just look a little different usually. I don't think the devil will actually come to you and show you the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. However, the devil will say, oh, you can just get that promotion easier if you just sort of deceive your boss into thinking that the 
other candidate is a bad candidate even though they're not and if you know like the devil will totally try and get you to uh jump on the fast track to what you're looking for in your life even if it destroys everything in its path and often when we pick that when we submit to that temptation it leaves a lot of destruction in its path with our relationships with our own well-being with ourselves and ultimately with our relationship with god too and so uh i feel like shortcuts are sometimes really really dangerous and we got to look at them carefully and ask where the shortcut is coming from is it from the devil or is it from god and um as you know rightfully as these the kingdom of earth is to the lord um he remains patient and trustful in his relationship with god the father and he says away from me satan and that's an encouraging thing for you to say too um if you feel like you're having intrusive thoughts if you're having dark thoughts if you're having thoughts that you think are false um you can declare that in the name of jesus because jesus declared that and we see what happens next Jesus says, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Once again, quoting more scripture. And then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. And like I said at the very beginning from James 4, 7, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Jesus resists the devil by speaking the word of God to him, by clarifying in his own mind what the truth actually is. And then Satan flees. And we can take that as a promise for our lives, that if we will speak truth over it, that if we resist him, then he will flee as well. And if you're thinking, but I don't know Bible verses for every situation. I don't know what the answer is for everything. That's okay. Then meet, then do it in prayer um, as God does time and time again as well. God also prays to the Father in heaven throughout the Gospels when he is faced with um, Satan and temptation and all sorts of things. So if you don't know the right Bible verse for the situation, just go to God in prayer instead and declare the Lord's word that you do know over him. Even if it's something as simple as away from me, Satan, or saying something like in Jesus, I trust. I ask that the Holy Spirit would be present with me in this moment right now. Like those are things you can say um, and declare and resist the devil and I'll give you guys another practical example, but um, for me, like, if I go once in a blue moon, this happens where, like, I'll really want, like, another drink of alcohol, and I know it's, like, a bad idea and that it's probably going to lead to sin. I'm not saying any alcohol, I'm saying, like, another drink at a certain point, like, I know to be sinful. And so if I am looking at the fridge with all the beer and all the drinks in it, um, and you get that kind of tug of war sensation in your brain and body where you're just like, is this right? Is this wrong? I don't know. And it's just like this awful back and forth and it's so like painful to resist. And then you feel like you've done such a good job resisting for however many minutes or hours or days it's been. And then all of a sudden it's just like a lunge forward. And before you know it, you're drinking, um, even though you've decided not to drink. Um, and that's just an example from my life. But I find that the best thing to do in that situation is to get in the word of God if I can, motivate myself too, because let's be honest, sometimes we fall short and I can't get to my Bible fast enough before my brain shuts down and doesn't want to. Um, And that's like 
what I feel like the tug of war being like, like me, the spirit of God in me wanting me to turn to the word for that peace, for that power, for that way out. But then my flesh inside me just arguing, uh, wanting to submit to the devil and be sinful and do something I know to be wrong. And like that dichotomy of back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. The best thing I can do the moment, get to the word of God. If I can't get to the word of God, then I will try and get to God in prayer. Just like not even speaking aloud because sometimes we're too weak to even speak aloud, but just speaking in my mind, um, away from me, Satan, God, I need you. God, help me resist this temptation. God, provide me a way out, um, which is also biblical. Uh, it says in First Corinthians ten thirteen, it says, um, but God is faithful. He will not tempt you beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can endure it. And I love that verse. That's one of my favorite. I have that one memorized for specific times like that. But let's say my brain doesn't even remember that one. I just will call out to Jesus the best I can in my mind. Let's say I'm with a group of people and my brain's trying to keep up with conversation, but also that desire, and I can't really formulate a prayer in my mind. Then the best thing I find to fall back on is just really quickly saying, God, you know what I need in this moment from you. Please help me. And then immersing myself in a distracting activity, that's not going to lead to sin. So if you're with a group of friends, suggesting a card game, um, if you're just by yourself, maybe putting on a TV show or reading a book and then trying to get into the Bible at some point as well. But those are some things I've found really helpful. But also, you know, the more time we spend with God, the better, because then we're going to know his word better. And the better we know his word, the better we can fight those attacks. And I personally, as a kid, did not know the Bible. Um, I knew of the Bible. I knew of the stories in the Bible. But I didn't know the word of God. That when hard things came my way, I could not declare the word of God into the situation. Because I had no idea uh, what the word of God was. I didn't have scripture memorized. I didn't have a basis. I couldn't remember what a preacher said on Sunday because I wasn't going to church. And so... That left me defenseless. It made me feel like as a kid, like I had no weapon. And when kids at school would say really awful things to me, um, I just didn't know what to do because I was raised to be kind to others. Um, but I didn't have the word of God to help me through that. Um, and to like not just help me through that conversationally with other people, um, but to help me in that time by myself when I'm walking down the hallway, when I'm in the car on the way to school. Um, having negative thoughts about what people are saying or different situations and not being able to combat the devil because I didn't know the word God. So what I pray for you, um, whoever you are listening to this, is that you'll find a couple scriptures uh, to remember, even if it's loosely, like me, loosely remembering that verse from Colossians about working for the Lord. I pray that you would loosely grab some bearings of some of the word of God and cling on to it. And uh, like I said, that First uh, Corinthians ten thirteen verse is my favorite one for temptation. And I implore you to uh, just cling on to something that you can have in your back pocket to defend yourself against. Um, and that God would equip you for that. Because the devil repeatedly does um, tempt the lust of the flesh, as we see with the bread. He'll tempt us with alcohol. He'll tempt us with food. He'll tempt us with 
um, self-care. He'll tempt us with all these seemingly good things and he will turn them into uh, just destruction in our lives um, if we allow him. And so we have to be on our guard. The Bible also tells us to be on our guard. Uh, Jesus tells us to be on our guard actually too. But then also the pride of life, you know, wanting to feel that we understand things, wanting to feel that we are just important, that we are cared for, and then taking the shortcuts to get there. Um, And then the lust of the eyes, um, just the things we desire, materialism, money, a better job, um, the things of this world that can also be good things, but twisted and manipulated into bad things very easily if we're not aware of what's going on. So, like Jesus did, I encourage you to respond with the word of God and he will flee from you. And we also see that God will be faithful to us in the end. When we resist the devil, we are not left alone. Why? Because verse 11 tells us the devil left him and angels came and attended him. So that same thing the devil was trying to tempt him with, um, from Psalm 91, the second temptation, the pride of life, that if you throw yourself down, the angels uh, will lift you up in their hands. God resists that. Jesus is able to resist that because he can see the hope of the future. He can see that he trusts God and that he doesn't need that immediate um, that immediate yes through sin. He can take the slow path, turning from the devil, and being patient for the Lord to show up because the Lord will show up in our lives. And so will his army of angels. I truly believe that. Um, like the Psalm Waymaker says, um, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. And it's so true. Even when we don't see the army of angels surrounding us, oh, they are there. Because the word of God tells us that they will attend to us. And so then it's great that um, that temptation, Jesus being tested in the wilderness, ends off on the angels attending to him because it is a proper fulfillment of Psalm 91 that the devil tried to twist and manipulate to get Jesus to sin. Um, this is now the proper fulfillment of what that truly looks like. That when we um, turn to God, that he will equip us with all that we need for every situation. He equipped Jesus with the precise words of God to combat the enemy. He equipped Jesus with endurance to go through the testing. He equipped Jesus with the humility and posture of heart to resist um, these tempting things. And God will equip you too. So let this be our model and our example of how we can resist the devil via the word of God um, through our humble trust in Jesus uh, and the Lord, our God, that, um, that trust doesn't need a test and that we don't have to worry and that if we resist, he will flee. It's just that resisting part that's hard. But if we turn, if we turn to the word, if we turn to prayer, if we turn away and don't allow ourselves to think those thoughts, then the devil will flee from us. It's just sticking through the resisting and not giving in because we can resist, like I said, for minutes and hours and days. And then it just creeps up out of nowhere. And because we've worn ourselves down resisting, we've been fatigued in it. We just give in out of impulse and out of flesh and out of desire from the temptation. But let us be perseverant people of God. 
Let us persevere through the pain of the tug of war because we know what is waiting on the other side of temptation is greater, that the Lord will attend to us and is with us throughout all of that. And the spirit of God is in us throughout all of that. So I hope you got some encouragement today from this. I hope that this goes well with you and may the Lord equip you for all testing, for all trial, and may you resist the devil and let him flee from you. In Jesus' name, amen.